This is the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the show for real estate investors, stock traders, and business owners. We help you keep more of what you earn and protect what you've built. Let's get started. Hey guys, Toby Mathis here, and I have Stefan Whitwell. And this is going to be a fun one today because we're going to dive right into not only what occurred in the banking crisis, but what you can do to protect yourself because there's so much bad information out there. So first off, welcome, Stefan. Thank you so much, Toby. Glad to be here. Yeah. And just by uh, a little bit of background, uh, just because you're a financial professional, I, I, you just give me your background real quick so somebody understands. Yep. I started out my career in investment banking, working on Wall Street and uh, worked my way to Main Street. Uh, today, I run a wealth management firm. We're licensed in all 50 states and serve clients in 14. And you're also a graduate of the Wharton School of Business, right? Well, I was just lucky. I was at a garage sale and I, I found a, you know, an old, uh, you know, certificate and, uh, just did a little photoshopping and, uh, you know, I'm going with it. But yeah, no, I, I was lucky enough to get in great school, but like you're any not, other school, you only get out what you put in. So I'm just saying you're not some armchair quarterback who like this is something that you've studied. You understand these things and, and Wharton school is fantastic, you know, so I just, I just want to give people an idea of who they're talking to because you're not a broker. You're a financial professional, fiduciary, you manage money, millions and millions of dollars for people, and you have to navigate these waters, right? Every day. And with this bank crisis, and I'm just not, not going to date it exactly because I want this to be uh, something that people can use for months and years later. In a nutshell, what caused this most recent banking crisis? Yeah, and I, and I, and I appreciate you saying that because these kind of things happen pretty regularly over history, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. tend to forget about these and then it happens again. So it is, there are some timeless things that you need to take from this. But first, what happened? There's a couple things that happened. At one level, the board of directors and the management of Silicon Valley Bank were just asleep at the wheel. They bought investments that were tanking, that were going down and down and down in value. In fact, what's Interesting. I went and looked myself in the SEC filings at the balance sheet of Silicon Valley Bank. These financials for end of last year, so they're dated December 31st, 2022. KPMG blessed them. And clear as day, right on the front of them, they showed that by the end of last year, management had lost 94% of their equity. But they didn't seem to really care about that until about two weeks ago. But let's be fair an audited financial doesn't get done on December. That probably just came out like right before this crisis. I bet you that came out and then people went, what? what? Like a well, smart person is going to look at that and say, wait, you have no liquidity? Like That's this right. doesn't mean that they lost their money, right? This just means that they don't have their deposits available to people. There's no, there's no cash. Well, it's, uh, it's both actually. So they, they have two types of in investments on their balance sheet, one that they hold to maturity and the other that, that they can sell whenever they want to. And the stuff that they're holding until maturity has lost, you know, had lost $15 billion. So if they had to sell that in order to pay depositors, those are very real losses. But let's break this down to everyday, everyday uh, Joe language. They went and, and, and bought a bond, right? They have long-term government bonds. Is that primarily what it is? Yep. And so these bonds may mature in what, 10 years? I think, I think on average, uh, between six and 10 years. Yeah. Jiminy Christmas. And they were probably listening to Yellen and all in the Fed. And, oh, you know, inflation is transitory. 
So they're buying these bonds when interest rates to the bank are a quarter, you know, 25 basis points, right? And, and so they just have to beat that. And so they're going to a government bond, which at the time was probably close to 2% or something. Am, am I saying it right? 100%. And those are fixed rate. Yeah. Yep. And so they're going to get 2% for the next, on average, you said about six years, six, seven years. Yep. Who wants that now that inflation is so high, right? But on the same token, or even worse, the Fed raised the interest rate, right? So all of a sudden you went from, hey, I could get money at a quarter basis point to now it's what, four and a half or something like that. That's exactly right. And, you know, it wasn't a mystery to the world. I mean, you don't need to be a PhD in finance to have figured out a year ago that the Fed was changing its tune and they were going from a decreasing rate environment to now, hey, we we're going to start increasing interest rates. But, but they and, had already bought the bond, right? I mean, they bought they, these bonds years ago in some cases. That's right. And uh, without getting into the details, there's things they could have done to mm. hedge that at that point. And there's no perfect hedge, but they could have hedged it. And the cost of that hedge in hindsight, I mean, you know, would have been nothing compared to losing the whole bank. They just Um, didn't do what an appropriate party, a serious banker would have done. And they left themselves exposed. It's common sense, right? So if you're driving on a freeway 80 miles an hour and all of a sudden the skies darken and it just starts pouring cats and dogs, you may not keep driving 80 miles an hour. It gets bad enough and you can't see... 30 yards ahead of you, what do you do? You slow down, you pull over. I mean, the, the, the fact that you're going to change what you're doing to be adaptive to the new environment is just common sense. But to your point, Toby, they didn't do that. And that, that ultimately hurt them. And so they have this bond. I'm just going to use a real basic. Let's just say you have a bond. It's a 10-year bond. It's 2%. You bought it two years ago. So there's eight years to maturity. You haven't lost the bond. Like there's still, it's gonna, you're gonna get paid. Let's say you bought a million dollar bond at 2%. You're gonna get the million dollars plus the 2%. The problem is, is right now you could go get a bond at what, four, four and a half, five percent. That's right. So who wants the 2% bond, right? Nobody. Right. So now you have to turn that into cash. That's right. And that's where they sold to what? They sold a bunch of it to JP Morgan and, and they were buying this stuff at a big discount and just so they could turn it into cash. And then everybody said, let's pull all of our cash out. And they just completely eviscerated the bank, right? That's, that's right. And so the, the tipping point, you know, they were in a vulnerable position because they weren't adaptive. They didn't take action. And now they were vulnerable. And in that moment of vulnerability, what happened? You had Silvergate Bank collapse. You had other systemic concerns. And then all of a sudden, you had two significant voices in the Silicon Valley ecosystem say, hey, minimize your exposure today. Uh, Peter Thiel and also uh, the Y Combinator, uh, very respected kind of venture hub, are reported to have gone out and said, hey, let's minimize your exposure to this bank. And so people started withdrawing. And the, the challenge is, that when everybody's in the same neighborhood and they're just part of the same tribe and people to your left and right are suddenly like, hey, I got to get my money out today. What are you going to do? You're going to feel like, hey, I, I, I better do that as well because you don't want to be the dummy left standing last. It's right? a wonderful life, right? It, it, it's the whole, it's a wonderful life situation where yeah. I'm gonna, I so, need my cash back. And you're like, but you're, you're how, you're, you, know, you have a loan over here. You, you know, it's, it's, it's been loaned out. It's backed by assets, but I can't just go get the cash. Well, give me my cash. 
And they were all in the same community. And so all of a sudden people started calling up and it was, I mean, it was incredible. Of course, part of it is the internet, right? So with the speed of communication today, that accelerated it as well. One day, Um, 40 billion, right? Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Even here in Austin, local banks were getting calls from tons of clients saying, hey, we got to move money over today. Can you help us? Can you help us? Let's talk about this because in the case of SVB, most of their deposits, I think it was like 94, 95% were not insured, right? That's right. A huge percentage. And that's not normal, right? I mean, that's, that's unusual. Like these are deposits that exceed 250,000. Like there's $250,000 of federal insurance on a bank, on your bank. Per account. account. That's right. Per, per, per EIN. Like, so if I have, if I, here I am, Toby. And I have a personal bank account, I have a savings account, and I have uh, two CDs. CD one is 100, CD two is 200. I add up my personal bank account, my savings, and those CDs, and I have $250,000 of insurance against it. Is that correct? That's right. So that means that these people were like 90% or more than 90% uninsured means that most of these people had a ton of money sitting in this bank, right? More than yeah, uh, these are venture companies, obviously some wealthy individuals too, but a lot of them were venture companies as well as high net worth individuals associated with those companies. Big balances sitting there. So what do you do? So here I am, I'm freaking out. I'm reading the news every day. This bank could go under. You see Credit Suisse, you see all these others. And again, I don't want to date this. I want this just to be, hey, banks are going under or I'm scared. I might not get my money back out of my bank. And so what is somebody to do? Is it just consolidate it all in the big banks? Is it, you know, maybe there's other alternatives? Is it buy, you know, open up multiple accounts at multiple banks so that I have more federal insurance on each account? Do I, what do I do? So let's start with one of the big, I think one of the other key takeaways, Toby, uh, here is to understand in the financial sector, the difference between a bank and a, you know, these companies that, that hold money on your behalf as a fiduciary, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we call those kind of companies custodians because they just hold your assets. An example of a custodian would be Fidelity or Schwab. Most people don't understand that banks take all your money, right? So when you get a bank statement and it has a number next to your account, that's just a, a piece of paper that says, here's how much we essentially owe you. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, they've taken all your money and the next account's money and the next account's money and they put in a little bit of theirs and then they go out and they invest that. And if all goes well, they make enough to put some money in their pocket and pay you a little bit of interest and all's well until it isn't, right? A custodian, on the other hand, operates very differently. Each account is segregated. They're not allowed to take your money out of your account or do anything with it. They may authorize an RIA like us to go in there and invest things within that account, but not for my benefit. But it's your money. It's your money. And that is even more important than government insurance because it's Mm -hmm. common sense that if they can't touch your money, it's safe. And that is a key distinction. So what I had been talking about with, with clients and advising people is, you know, think about dividing your money into two buckets. One is your day-to-day operating stuff. And the truth is, banks are best at that, right? They're, they're great for bill pay and 
all these different things you use banks for. But a lot of us have then have some excess cash. Companies might have some extra savings or money. And, and that's in a different bucket. That bucket you want to make sure is getting the highest yield and as secure as possible. And one way you can do that would be to open up an account at a custodian. I've had several people call me this week. We've opened up institutional accounts for them at Schwab. They then can easily move money between that account back to their regular bank as needed to support their operations. You can even get a debit card and checks for the infrequent transaction in that kind of account. Now, it's going to have limits, right? Right, Stefan? Like, like they're going to say like maybe six transactions a month and you could do this, that or the other. I mean, and, and then they just charge you or something if, if you go above it's that. It's almost, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly competitive today. It's very, very low fee and certain balances, fees get waived, but it's not, it, you know, truth be told, it's not designed to be transactional accounts. So it's not as yeah. convenient as a regular bank account. So it's really more about your convenience. But I could just uh, move the money from account like that into my bank account, right? Like I, I'm easy. sure settlements a day or two, right? Yep. Super easy. And uh, what what you can also do is you can set up kind of pre-created instructions so that all you need to do is just pick up the phone and say, hey, move money from our corporate account here at Schwab to our corporate account at Bank XYZ. Uh, super easy to do. So uh, the most important takeaway for, for all of you watching this is to understand that key difference between a bank and a custodian. That's what really protects you. However, in addition to that, the different government program, the SIPC, guarantees securities safety in Schwab, for example, or any any custodian up to five hundred thousand. But at least in Schwab's case, they've also gone out to Lloyd's of London, which is a big insurance cooperative, and they've obtained additional insurance up to one hundred and fifty million dollars per account. So what that means is, if you put the money into that kind of account, and you then Ask us to help you put it in the right money market fund. The securities in that account are guaranteed up to 150 million. If it's just sitting in cash, it's 1.15 million, which again is four times more than the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's per account. And what that means is that if something happened and, and somehow, some way Schwab went bankrupt, that because those assets are sitting in separate, segregated accounts with your name on it. They are protected. Nobody else can lay claim to them. They are yours. And you're not depending on a government bailout for that. It's it's structural, which is really makes a big difference. So, so it's kind of like this. I just want to make sure, again, I'm going to put it in the everyday Joe language. If I put money in a bank, it goes into a big bin. They mix it all up and then they multiply it, right? It can be multiplied by bank. 90 times, right? They can loan out for every dollar they bring in probably 90 bucks, right? And they're trying to make a spread on what they pay you for your dollar versus what they can get somebody else. You know, now they're loaning $9 out and they're trying to make an interest on it. Bingo. Yep. So at Schwab, you put a dollar in or, and I don't want to just say Schwab, but at a, in the, in a brokerage house, a custodial account, you give a dollar and it's your dollar and it's in, it's not being mixed up with everybody else's. It's, your dollar. You might have somebody that's allowed to manage it and to, to put it into different investments, maybe put it in a money market, which money markets and savings accounts are pretty darn close, right? Like you can get a high yield 
savings now around 4% is money market. More than, yeah, even more than 4%, you know, even net of fees, 4.2, 4.3%. One thing I will say that uh, for, for those of you who have money and that you want to get a higher yield, but you don't want to take risk, there's two different types of, of money market accounts. One that will not put your, your principal at risk. Other types that try to get you a little bit higher yield, but are going to expose you to some, some fluctuation potentially in your principal. So if you're, yeah. So my recommendation is, you know, for an extra 15, 20 basis points, why take that stress on it? You know, like, don't worry about it. Just, just get a infinitesimally smaller yield, which is still much better than it's been for the last couple of years and sleep soundly at night. Yeah, and you're hitting on something, by the way. Like it, when, when you're looking at market risk, so the S and P's returned what over 100 years, a little over 10 percent a year, and then you look at bonds that might be right around that five percent range. The higher, the, the closer those items get to each other. So if the market's down a little bit and bonds are up a little bit, people are going to go with bonds, and that causes the market to start to decline. Right. So, like you see, all these things are kind of related to each other. Last year was an anomaly because bonds got torpedoed and the market went down which is which is bizarre right you just usually see one of them uh going up and the other one going down but never both going down but for somebody uh, i'm gonna throw one other idea out there but somebody who's like hey they're, they're listening to this and they're going aha maybe i need to have more than just the bank account i need to have a custodial account but what if they're like at a half a million dollars and they're just like hey i just i just don't want to lose my half million you could just open up another bank account or you could buy a CD with another bank perhaps, or do you guys do any of that? Stefan, do you guys do any laddering of CDs? Like go to 10 different banks and get a $250,000 CD at each bank. I mean, that, that way your money would be insured too, right? Yeah. You know, we, we tend to not do that just because it ends up being a lot of work uh, for the client. And, like uh, just um, and, and today with rates so high in, in, High, low fee, high quality money market funds, um, where it accrues interest daily. You know that, that, that's really attractive, right? In the past, you know CDs had to be held for a certain minimum of, amount of time, right? And so you had to count on it being being stuck there. But the nice thing today is you can get a competitive yield, and you're not committed. You know, give us a day's notice, two days notice, and you can get access to your capital. So, um, you know, I, 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 it really depends on you. The good news is if you've got about 500, two banks, great. You know, that's easy. But if you have substantially more, that it ends up becoming a lot of work to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think there's something to be said for consolidating that. And I would probably look at the larger custodians. And the reason for that, is that even though a smaller custodian still has the structural advantage, if you think about what securities are today, right? We look at them on a computer. We're not holding physical shares anymore. So some of the risks that you need to worry about if you're evaluating the strength of a custodian are things like cybersecurity risk. And so the big guys, the State Streets, the Fidelities, the Schwabs, you know, there's the half a dozen of them, they're big, they literally custody two, three, four trillion dollars. And at that level, they have the budget to be able to put into place really premier cybersecurity type 
functionality to just help protect your assets that much more, which I think in today's, it, it didn't matter 20 years ago, but today, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at it, making sure my money is safe, that's one of the things that I think would push me to use a larger custodian rather than a smaller one. So we're not saying any custodian is always better. You still need to be smart, right? You can't just. There's, there's three things, right? We have FDIC insurance. We have SIPC, which goes to how much? The 500,000. Mm-hmm. And then you have private insurance. And so you have, everybody's familiar with FDIC because that's all you hear about in the news. Yeah. But there's the SIPC, which is a little bit higher, and you get both, right? I have a bank. I get up to the 250 I have, a brokerage account. Or if I have custodial money, uh, then I have up to 500 And then you have the private. And like, I'll just use Schwab as an example. You said it was $150 million per account? That's right. Yeah. So you have three ways to be insured. Now, what's the best? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've never had to use one, thank God. But yeah, I, I imagine that the FDIC makes it pretty simple to get your money back. SIPC probably makes it pretty simple to get your money back. I'm not sure about the private. Sounds like Lloyd's of London. Chances are very solvent, really strong insurance, has lots of reserves. You'd probably be able to get your money back. But in any case, you're just you're not just going in blindly hoping that your money is protected. You're actually systematically saying, here's how I mitigate my risk. That's right. And one other thing I'd add to that, Toby, is you'd mentioned brokerage accounts. Um, Increasingly, large financial companies are are kind of these hybrid behemoths that have all sorts of different parts to them. So what's important is that if you're exploring putting money into a particular custodian, please make sure that you verify with them that the money you are putting into that account is going to be segregated and yeah. part of the custodian arm of that company. Because I have seen situations where people opened an account, thought it was one thing, it turned out to be another. And that's just super important. So read over those documents yourself or run it by Toby. or I'll know. make it easier for them. Work with a fiduciary. I've been saying this for years. You get you get smacked in the head all the time by by the brokers. Work with a fiduciary because, like, at an RAA, I don't even think can you even open up a, an account that's all merged in together because it would no. you're you're not doing a good service for your client. I don't even think you can do it. It's always yeah. going to be a custodial account, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, and, and how do you know whether somebody's a fiduciary? Is you say these this magic words? Are you a fiduciary? <laughs> yes. And, and is this a segregated account? Yes. And, Anything and, other than a yes or no, if they start going off on some weird tangent, then just take run. that as a run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> telling you to, 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 you know, I, I had that once. I had a, a doctor who had to, he was, he, he was, he was being represented by somebody. And I said, uh, I said, he's on both sides of the transactions for sure. And he goes, no way. He's, he, I've been working with him for years. I just ask him who he owes his fiduciary duty to. Uh, and the guy started hemming and hawing and going all over. And he goes, no, we're going to look out for both parties. And I was like, there you go. Both parties. They're representing both parties. Nobody's looking out for you. They're actually just interested in the transaction. And sure enough, he, that, that was exactly the case. It's like, yeah, it's that simple. Are you a fiduciary? Do you owe me a fiduciary responsibility? Yes. Good. Move on. Is this account segregated? Is it just my money? Is this just a custodial account? Yes. Fantastic. What's the level of insurance on that account? X. Fantastic. I had to fight with clients because they were in little banks. And I said, ask the bank because they didn't want to move. 
people are like starting to open up different accounts. A lot of people are moving into the big four, uh, you know, and they're like, they're, they're a little nervous. They're worried about the, the, the solvency of some of these little guys. And they would write these things saying, we have up to $150 million of insurance. We're very liquid, blah, 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 blah. And I said, here, it's really simple. My balance is what? How much of that is insured? They would not respond. They would always, they would send press releases and other stuff. I was like, get your money out of there. Speaking of press releases, one of the things that drove me nuts uh, last week about the Silicon Valley Bank, they came out with a mid-quarter kind of PowerPoint presentation updating uh, yeah, update on how they're doing. And it's just to support their equity raise. And there was two or three slides in particular that just made me sick to my stomach because they were full of these big generalities of, oh, we have lots of liquidity. Oh, we're doing great. Mm-hmm. And literally like four hours later, you know, they're taken over by the government. And so, you know, there, there, were, there was a case here, Stefan, I just not to interrupt you, but yeah. in Vegas, there was a plumbing company. I remember this because it was in the uh, it was in the RJ in, during the Great Recession in the bank. The, the guy had actually come in and he was worried about his payroll. He had about three million dollars in the bank. And they said, we are perfect. We have no problems. We're very liquid. And he said, I'm still worried. I want to move some of my money. And they said, how about this? We'll give you a cashier's check. For your for your a, a big chunk of their balance, and that way, if anything happens to us, you have this cashier's check. They literally gave them a cashier's check, which of course became worthless once they got they were taken over by the feds. They they, uh, they yeah, he lost his entire mm, balance. I think he had two hundred fifty thousand dollars of insurance. Fantastic, brutal. he lost over three million, killed his company. Bankers, sorry, they don't owe you a fiduciary duty. They, they're going to say what they can to keep their bank alive. And, they're, you know, the, the good ones, like I talked to my banker, and they're like, hey, I understand you probably want to move some money around. Hey, we're, we're pretty good. Here's our balance sheet. We're feeling like, like, like the, we're not going to be affected by this, but I understand why you're doing it. That's what you want is someone who's yeah. like a, a real human being. You don't that's want right. someone who's going to like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't move your money. No, no. Dude, that's just crazy. Why would you do that? Because those are the folks that are like, okay, why are they? so desperate to keep this. And, and it also drives me crazy because when in the context of a situation like that, that's telling people, don't worry, actually change anything, right? When someone's telling you, don't worry about it, does that make you, oh, I, now I'm feeling relieved. Thank you. This is great. I feel so much better. <laughs> no, like it's almost like a cue. Like I should be more worried now. That like, don't worry about yeah. it. Well, uh, now I'm definitely... Twice as worried about it. <laughs> hey, there's one other just there's one other thing I want to add to real quick. It's uh, real estate. Okay, so super important asset class and one that is hard to, to buy all cash. So we frequently need banking partners to mm-hmm. get access to high quality loans to build that side of our portfolio. So one of the things that I just wanted to share. It's, it's harder to do unless you're really dealing in bigger, bigger numbers, but it is possible, uh, to negotiate, uh, particularly with some of the largest banks out there, Goldman's, Morgan's, Merrill's to negotiate a guarantee on a set dollar amount for your balance with that bank. They don't advertise this. Uh, it's by negotiation only. But if you're a big player in real estate and you've got, a, I mean, a very close relationship with that bank, which is very, very valuable to have in the context. They could insure your balance is what you're saying. There's structures that they can, now there's a price for that, right? Yeah. 
So just just know that it's an option. And I want you to have informed choices that you can look at and then you can decide, well, what's right for you. But just know that that's another choice that is available. Never Um, heard about that. I never I never I never really thought that you could actually go negotiate like if you had twenty million bucks in an account, you might be able to go say, Hey, I need to know it's gonna be there. Can we get an insurance policy? Maybe it's Lloyd's, maybe it's somebody like that. Well, the reason they don't, they don't advertise that. Because what that forces them to do is to then segregate that money, right? Because the only way they can guarantee it is to segregate it. They're not going to get a Lloyd's to guarantee it if it's not segregated. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. They need and, to know and, what, what their liability is and they need to know. And if, they, and if they segregate it, it means they can't take your money and invest it. So it becomes less valuable to them. So they're going to try to make it up some way through a fee. But still – Again, it's just math, right? So you get the number, you find out what it is. At least it's an option for you to, to, to be aware of. Great options. So you have lots of choices, FDIC, SIPC, uh, private insurance, even going to your bank. And if you have a larger account, negotiating to see whether they can segregate it. Using segregated accounts, period, uh, for your investment monies. Sounds like it's probably a good idea for your business. Maybe it's a combination of the two or at least maybe multiple banks. You have a lot of different options out there to do some things. And I would I'd, I'd just add one more thing, Toby, to that is that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're looking at which bank should I use or, you know, part of the bank custodian mix, one of the, again, I, I'll draw your attention to the fact that, that Silicon Valley Bank had a very non-diversified client base. Mm-hmm. So if the bank you're working with as a, a more diversified mix of clients, that's mm-hmm. going to strengthen that bank's profile. So, um, you know, I would just say do your homework or get your advisor to do your homework and, and, and show you what, what they looked at uh, in terms of making sure it's diversified, in terms of making sure they've got plenty of real equity. Um, it's not about the fancy stuff. It's really the basic stuff. Is it diversified or not? Do they have equity or not? Well, and again, what, what Silicon Valley didn't have equity by last Friday, so that's what made them vulnerable. Well, you, you know? certainly broke it down and made it understandable. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening out there, you're getting good information and you have some – now you know. Uh, and uh, if you know anybody that could help, uh, that this information could help, by, by all means, please share it. And then I'll tell anybody out there, please subscribe and click the little bell for notifications because this type of information is timely but also it's always moving. So we're always posting more. So if you want to be on the list, make sure that you get notified by all means, please do that. Stefan, I want to say thank you for joining us. I know that you're busy and I can only imagine what's going on in your, you know, in in your practice, you're probably getting phone calls left and right of people freaking out. And uh, I just appreciate you taking time out of all that to come and educate uh, uh, my subscribers and, and, and all the good folks out there. Most welcome, Toby. Great to be here with you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.